it took a little bit of time. I mean, I knew I'm a child of an alcoholic who's a child of an alcoholic. I knew that this program worked because I saw my mother get sober and I saw my older sister get sober. Wasn't sure if I could do it, but I had a glimmer of hope. I was just welcomed with open arms and very, very early on in my recovery, the compulsion was lifted. And then I soon became able to learn to love myself. And once I did that, that's when I really fit in my own skin and in this fellowship. It's been a godsend. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts, Michael L. and Lee M. On the show, we try to provide inspiration through interviews with members of the recovery community. We are not aligned with any 12-step or recovery program, but you may hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Today's February 21st, and Laura S. joins us from Frederick, Maryland. She's got a great story. She's sharing on the spiritual concept, I'm part of the whole. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, good morning, Lee. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. It is February 21st, and um, I'm doing well. That's great. What's uh, what's on the agenda for today? Well, I am very happy to uh, let you know that we have my friend Laura S. from Frederick, Maryland on with us this morning, and she's going to be talking about um, the Daily Reflection, I'm Part of the Whole. Oh, fantastic. Well, Laura, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, we always get started in the same way. We ask the guest if they would read the Daily Reflection for today, February 21st. Would you get us started? Sure. Um, as they said, today is February 21st, and the reading is, I am, I am part of the whole. At once, I became a part, if only a tiny part, of a cosmos. This is taken from, as Bill sees it, page 225. When I first came to AA, I decided that they were very nice people, perhaps a little naive, a little too friendly, but basically decent, earnest people with whom I had nothing in common. I saw them at meetings. After all, they, that's where I saw them at meetings. After all, that was where they existed. I shook hands with them, and when I went out the door, I forgot about them. Then one day, my higher power, whom I did not then believe in, arranged to create a community project outside of AA, but one which happened to involve many AA members. We worked together. I got to know them as people. I came to admire them, even to like them, and in spite of myself, to enjoy them. Their practice of the program in their daily lives, not just in the talk at the meetings, attracted me, and I wanted what they had. Suddenly, they became we, and I've not had a drink since. Wow. Wow, that's beautiful, Laura. How does that resonate with you? Well, Lee, when before I quit drinking, I was one of those people that never felt like they fit anywhere. Um, the only place I ever felt like I fit Um, was in high school for a brief glimpse of time when I was, you know, hanging out behind the bleachers, drinking Mad Dog with the other people who didn't fit. Um, Come to find out, when I got to the rooms of AA, it was the same group of people. But now we fit, 
and we don't have to hide behind the bleachers anymore. So, yeah, I found where I fit. So I am part of a whole. Yeah, that's amazing. So did did you feel like you fit from the very first day or did that take time for you? It took a little bit of time. I mean, I knew I, I'm a child of an alcoholic who's a child of an alcoholic. And, um, I, I knew that this program worked because I saw my mother get sober and I saw my older sister get sober. Wasn't sure if I could do it, but I had a glimmer of hope. And, um, I was just welcomed with open arms and very, very early on in my recovery, I, the compulsion was lifted and, um, and then I soon became able to learn to love myself. And once I did that, that's when I really fit in my own skin and in this fellowship. It's been a godsend. What is your sobriety date? My sobriety date is June 15th, 1988. And when you came into the program, did you, did you get it right away? No. No. Tell me about that. Um, I came in in the um, fall of 87 and um, I went through detox and rehab and halfway house and finally moved out on my own, shared an apartment with a gal. And, and when I was about 10 months sober, I went back out for one night and had a not yet. Uh, woke up um, next to the toilet covered in urine and blood and vomit. And um, that was my last drink. And that was on June 14th, 1988. It was my brother's birthday. And um, I just... Um, said, whoa, I had a not yet. I'd heard about not yets, you know. But then I also started hearing that you don't have to have all the not yets, <laughs> you know. And um, I just prayed a lot. And I asked God to give me the strength to do what I needed to do not to pick up anymore. Very shortly after, the compulsion to drink went away. And um, I got involved in a pretty good steady home group that had meetings around the clock seven days a week at a facility that had lots of meetings. And, um, I was told to get with the women and get a sponsor. And I did those things. And once I started doing service work, I was able to start building a network around me that was mine, not my sister's, not my mom's, you know, it was my network. Those women in that network saved my life. You know, they told me it was normal to feel the way I did. It, they told me if I didn't want to feel that way, that this is what they did. And I just started, you know, following direction. Um, I was told these aren't suggestions. This is how we did it. If you want it, we suggest that you do it. You know but it's your choice. So I wanted it. And, um, and I just got involved. I'm a pretty social problem. I'm a person who had very, I had self-loathing and, and, um, 
you know, I heard the whole terms of we'll love you till you learn to love yourself. And people just kept asking me to do things. And I was a people pleaser. So I kept doing things. And uh, by doing that, I met people. And the more people I met, the stronger my network became. The longer I was sober, the more I could tell who were the winners and who were not. You know, the stick with the winners thing. And be there for the ones who aren't winning. And, um, you know, just all of those slogans that actually mean something. Do you know? Mm -hmm. Did you, you, you mentioned God earlier, Laura. Did you have a, a concept of God when you came in? No, not really. I mean, I, I you know, I was raised in, in church, but I, um, I didn't really have a personal relationship. So I didn't really know if there was one or there wasn't. My parents didn't really believe, you know. And um, so I was, you know, I, my grandparents did. I went to Bible school when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, that kind of stuff during the summer. And But I didn't really have a personal concept. And I didn't get it until I started working with my sponsor. And she used to sit next to me in meetings and somebody would share something and she'd say, ah, that's a God thing. You know, or I'd share something that was going on with me or that didn't happen that I wanted to happen. And she'd say, that's God working in your life. And then I started seeing it in other people's stories when they shared how God was working in their lives, a higher power. I didn't really start calling it God till I was probably two, three years sober. But now I have a real personal relationship with my higher power. I choose to call God. Brings me peace and serenity and um, quells fears and and helps erase worry. And, you know, I have conversations with God all the time, like we're sitting across the table having a cup of tea together. You know, I'm not a real formal get down on my knees kind of gal. Used to in the early days when I was told to pray whether I believed or not, because it was the practice of praying that would help me. I like that visual, right? I I, I like the um, I like the easier, you know, softer way of communicating with your higher power. You mentioned earlier that you experienced self-loathing. Mm. Yeah, it was beyond self low self-esteem. <laughs> I think that's common among people that come into the program, addicts mm -hmm. and alcoholics. I'm curious where you think that comes from, number one. And number two, do you still experience that today? The old tapes do run sometimes. You know, like when Lee first asked me to do this, I was like, I will never sound as eloquent as she does. You know, that was my immediate response. And I actually typed it out to her. Um but she reminded me, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You know how to talk to people. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. I do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's why the fellowship is so important. You know, it's, yeah. it's almost like a surrogate brain that we hear things in our own mind that might not be true. And then we bounce them off of our fellowship and we get the truth. Well, you might have to bleep this, but I have this little critter that sits on my shoulder and I'm, his name is Freddy Fucker. <laughs> I love that. And Freddie lies. Freddie has always lied, will always lie. 
you know, and, um, you know, that good angel, bad angel thing, whatever you want to call it. But, um, for me, it's Freddie and, um, you know, Freddie crops up all the time for me, you know, it just, um, and I don't know if it's genetics or, or what it is, you know, I know for me personally, um, I, my father didn't believe I was his child. There's no doubt (laughs) genetically or any of that. I mean, I look just like him, but when I was young, he, his insecurities thought my mother had fooled around on him, but, and my mother will tell the story there. She says, Nope, I was too uptight with him. What made him think I was going to be out there with somebody else? (laughs) So, but I am my father's daughter and it came out, you know, in family therapy when I was a teenager and, you know, I held on to that anger for a lot of years, a lot of years. And I drank at it, you know, but my mom, like I said, was a good alcoholic and I being the good middle child was a very good bartender. You know, I knew by the way she closed the car door when she got home from work, whether she needed a highball or a lowball. And it was ready when she walked in the back door. You know, and shortly after that, I figured out, wow, if it makes her life better, it's got to make mine better. And I started drinking. I was 11 years old. It's amazing how much the the stories of childhood still affect us today. I mean, even into recovery. You know, we we work the steps. We're doing this thing day in and day out, and those those stories still pop up. So, what do you do now when when they pop up? Well, I first thing I do is tell Freddie that he's lying, and I know he's lying. Or other ways, I just say to yourself, Laura, come on, you know better than this. That's your old tape. You know, I have I have a a good spiritual base. You know, I have a very good personal relationship with God. And I know that when I'm feeling fearful or worried or less than, I just talk to God. And if, you know, if that's the only person available. I also, both of my sisters are in the program. My older sister, Jean, just celebrated 34 years last, on the 7th. She's in AA in Al-Anon. My younger sister, who my mother lives with, um, is nine or ten years in Al-Anon. So they're both firmly planted in 12-step recovery. And um, I use them a lot. And they use me a lot. You know, we are... um, And my mother, prior to her dementia, was a very easy person just to call and run something by, you know, so, and I have a huge network of people, you know, it just, I just use every tool that I can imagine to get myself out of a funk. I've learned how to go outside of the program to get help I need. You know, I just, this past fall went on some antidepressants because, you know, COVID depression is hit and I, I'm borderline anyway. So, you know, it tells you in the big book, we can help you not drink. We can help you clean up the wreckage of the past, but we're not your doctor, your dentist, your mm. therapists. It's so important to talk about that. You must go outside of the rooms for that kind of help. Mm-hmm. There's something I wanted to add on to this part of, um, uh, part of the whole 
It's it's out of the big book, out of vision for you. And it's something that I heard very early on. There's two sections of this that, that I just want to share with everybody really quickly. I'm reading out of my copy of the first edition. So the wording may be slightly different, but it's in all four editions. Um, vision for you. It said, yes, there's a substitute. It is vastly more than that. It is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. There you will find release from care, boredom, and worry. Your imagination will be fired. Life will mean something at last. The most satisfactory years of your existence lie ahead. Thus we find the fellowship, and so will you. And at the end of that chapter, abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you till then. Isn't it the best? And that's that whole part of, I was told very, very early on that if I build my fellowship around me, which I am responsible for doing, that the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous will teach me how to apply the principles and work the steps and clean up the wreckage of my past so that I can have a life. Um, And I know for this alcoholic, I would not have been able to do this alone. Now, I know in the very early days of our program, people did this alone just by reading the book, you know? But I'm not of that generation. And I'm grateful because when I first got here, I was so toxic, I couldn't retain anything I read, much less know how to apply it in my life. But the women that I was lucky enough to be surrounded by, some of them 10 years my junior, uh, you know, they were teenagers, some of them taught me how this program works in their lives and how to do these things, you know, to do the, the meat of it, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, that 10 step doesn't come after nine. It comes every morning, every night, every afternoon, all day long. It's a 10 step. And once you clean up the wreckage of the past, then you have something to offer someone else. And this is all stuff that was learned by being part of, you know, Lee, you've heard me say this. I'm a loud, proud, flag-flying member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, I love that about you. I want people to know that this thing works. You know, this pixie dust, this magic, this spiritual, all of it rolled into one. I am one of those people that just totally believes that this thing is, I know I couldn't quit on my own. And I know that it was God that took away the cravings from me because I couldn't stop. You know, I only used for 17 years, but the last seven years of my using was just hell and misery 
you know, just hell and misery. And uh, I couldn't stop. Everything I tried, nothing worked. So I have my Uncle Denny to thank for that. He was the first one in our family that came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous in 1982. My mom followed him in in the summer of 83. My sister followed in in 84. You know, uh, just, I mean, 87, sorry. And I just, you know, I'm lucky. I come from a long line of alcoholics and drug addicts. But I also come from a long line of recovering alcoholics and drug addicts. Um, Got lots of cousins in the rooms, too. So it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. Do you feel like you've become like the like the daily reflection states you've become one of them oh yeah definitely and now i'm an old timer you know (laughs) who knew (laughs) who knew um we were um talking about it just the other night on um, a meeting i my sister celebrated at her home group in columbia and they were talking about the difference between the fourth edition big book and the third edition big book, how the acceptance is on the wrong page now. And us old timers still say 449. But I think it's like 417 or something like that. 417. Yep. <laughs> I said, oh, well, we're old timers. We can't help ourselves. And I, you know, I'm not one who could quote the book. I know what I've read and I know it's in there somewhere. And like, it took me a few days to find those passages because I knew they were there and I wanted to share them. But it, you know, I want people to know, you know, I used to hear it all the time in my early days that you may be the first knowledge anybody receives of the fact that there is another way, you know? And I'm one of those people that believes there's many ways to get sober. I know that the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous is the way that worked for me. Period. You know? Still does. So so the the daily reflections in the month of February are um, about step two. What would you say to a newcomer about the second step? Believe that I believe. Same thing my sponsor told me. Believe that I believe. And if you, but I was told that I had to pray whether I believed or not because it got me in the practice of praying and talking to a higher power. And once I was around long enough, I could figure out what my own higher power was, whether it's a group of drunks, a good orderly direction, or God, whatever you want it to be. You know, they used to say it could be a tomato plant, it could be a doorknob, whatever you want it to be, but you have to get in the practice of praying. And just believe that I believe. That's what Robin used to tell me all the time. Believe that I believe. And then over time, and then over time, you come to believe for yourself. Yeah. Or you don't. I mean, I know people that just don't. They believe in good orderly direction. A group of drunks, that's their higher power. And I said, you know, and I was like, okay, we can be semant- split, you know, hairs around here. It's just semantics to me. Some days, a group of drunks is my higher power because God speaks through them. <laughs> so, 
But if you don't want to, if you don't want to believe, that's fine. You don't have to. Agnostics stay sober. You know, but I believe that there is a power greater than myself. You know, and whatever that power is to you is for you to develop in yourself. And I'm not going to tell you how to, how you should behave and believe. I know what I believe now. I know what I didn't believe when I got here. You know, you know, when I first started having an inkling that there was a God in, in my life, I thought, well, you don't want to have nothing to do with me because, you know, I've done a lot of stuff that, that, that God wouldn't be proud of, you know. And then it was pointed out to me that um, God probably was in my life during that time, too, because I was still here to talk about those times and those choices that I made that weren't the healthiest choices for myself or my children. You know, I had a 10 year old and a five year old when I got here. Well, they were nine and four when I hit detox. Yeah. So. You know, I just had to learn. It says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Doesn't mean they will, <laughs> but could restore us to sanity. Um, thankfully, most of the time I feel pretty sane. You know? So, Laura, is there anything else you'd like to make the audience aware of? Anything else you'd like to tell the audience? Hmm. Just remember that we will love you until you learn how to love yourself if you haven't gotten there yet. And if you have got there, show other people how to get there. And by doing that, by being part of the whole, being there and showing up, suiting up, showing up, as one of my home group members says all the time, suit up and show up. Because if you can walk tall, suit up and show up, even when you're feeling beaten and bruised, you're showing other alcoholics and drug addicts that we can walk through this thing without using. And that is showing love. That's the magic of this stuff. Yeah. The miracle. Mm. The miracle. Well, Laura, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much to Laura for joining us today. And thanks to you for listening. Remember, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. You can always check out our blog at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. We write about recovery there. And you can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.